Vanessa Batista. Steve and Kim for trusting, you know, that I'm going to bring something uh, rich and relevant. Um, it's just important, you know, we need to stay with the times. We need to know what's happening now. Um, and all I keep hearing right now is that I'm a wave maker and that I'm a groundbreaker. Um, and, and we are all that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody to feel like they were singing that to themselves. They weren't singing that to themselves. They were singing that to you. They're reminding you of who you are. And I think that in moments like this, we need to be reminded who Yahweh calls us, not who we call ourselves. So today, we're going to be talking about a word, a Hebrew word. I'm not Hebrew. I'm going to mess it up. Um, but I'm going to pronounce it phonetically, Shema. Okay, and I'm going to be talking about the response of a son. I don't know if anybody's been listening to the past two sermons um, on repeat, but, um, and I don't know if I speak for everyone, but uh, I feel like uh, Stephen ushered me right into the crucible. (laughs) I mean, he ushered me right into the crucible. It is hot. It is good. Um, But he also, as our spiritual father, has taught us what to do (laughs) when we're in that place. We have the tools. It's not foreign to us. It's not going to be the first crucible. It ain't going to be the last. Um, I was talking to Chino this morning, and Chino said to me, you know, olive oil, the best olive oil, comes at a very, very high price. The best. And um, I don't think anybody wants to pay for the olive oil that's being pressed through me, right? Pressed through me right now. It ain't that olive oil that's mixed with sunflower oil. You know, the cheap stuff, $7.99 for the big old gallon at Aldi. It ain't that. Um, but it does reveal what's happening. It reveals that we are moving in a new, into a new place, through a new place, and in that process, we're supposed to be growing. It's not meant to break us down at all. It is meant to grow us. So it reveals that we are moving into a new place. And I want you to keep that in mind as I speak today. Um, This leads me right into something that I want to declare with you before I even start teaching. Um, It's uh, something I learned through Jenny Kerner in 2021 in intercession. And as I was going through my Bible and I was studying, I saw this note. And this note said two things that really were highlighted to me for today. The first one was, she said that the next place was in us already. It's already in us. So like we're trying to search out this new place, we're trying to figure things out, except we don't really have to because it's there, all right? That was the first thing. The second thing you said on the same day was that you told us how important it was to operate not on a dirty, reference-full, baggage-full timeline. She said that it was important to operate on a clean timeline. 
So in order for, to, for us to move into this next place, I believe it is, it is important for us to cleanse that timeline. No reference points at all. This is new. It's not meant to be the same. If it's the same, then we've done it already. That's the definition of crazy. All right? So I honor you for that. Because two years later, I am reaping the benefits of what you taught us and the tools you gave us. So I declare that for us today, that today we operate from a clean timeline. And number two, that place is in us already. The new place is there. So I don't think I'd be where I am right now if it wasn't for me being intentional about cleaning my timeline. I wouldn't be here, for sure. And if I hadn't recognized that Yahweh was taking me somewhere and that that somewhere required a strength that I didn't even have at the time, but I have it now. And so I didn't understand the place, but I knew that there was no room for baggage. What I was telling you before, there was only room for the response of a daughter willing to fulfill my father's promise to me. Nothing else. It's not meant for anybody else but for me to fulfill my promise, well, Yahweh's promise for me. Steve once said to me, stay the course. And when he said stay the course, guess what happened? A crucible. When I don't have all the answers, Steve responds, not in person, but I hear his voice saying, stay the course. When the press feels like too much for me, I hear Steve's voice saying what? Stay the course. When it feels like everything, everyone, anything is against me, what does he say? Stay the course. He tells me to stay the course. And that just rings true every time I go through something new. Every new crucible, that's my new word, crucible, he tells me stay the course. Every time I do, Every time I stay the course, the harvest is bountiful. Every single time. But if I jump off that bandwagon, it won't happen for me. You have to go over, you have to, what is it he says? Uh, don't, yeah, step over easy, he says. All right? So when Yahweh deposited this word in me about the son's response, it brought back so many memories. I had two extreme responses. One was Vanessa. The other one, 38 hot. <laughs> Nothing in between. No gray area. Vanessa, hey, how you doing, sweetheart, sugar, whatever. The second response was 38 hot. That means you got me there. And anyways, I'm not going to explain what that all entails, but it, it means I was, I was mad. Then I had kids. There was a little bit of gray area starting to come. Christian probably didn't get that much gray. Um, Mina got a little more gray. Brianna got a little more gray. And then Oni, we're, I mean, we're gray. <laughs> we're pretty much gray. Um, but as our family grew, I started seeing that some of my responses weren't working in my favor. So I started switching up some things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the word Shema or Shema. Um, it means to hear, okay? But Hebrew, if you've ever heard a little bit of the Hebrew teachings from Jenny, we know that Hebrew is not that simple. 
It's not basic. So it is often um, referred to, this term is often referred to in scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And it says here, Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses here is addressing the Israelites into the promised land. But he doesn't want to just tell them, listen, oh, sorry, this is new for me. Uh, he doesn't want to just tell them, listen to my words. He doesn't want them to repeat what the generations prior have done at all. He wants this to be a new thing. He wants them to walk in the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of the Father's vision. So, you know, like I said, Moses doesn't want them to miss a thing, does not want them to make the same mistakes as past generations, but Shema doesn't only mean to hear words. And I read something really, really cool. I read the opening line, hear, O Israel, does not simply mean to let sound waves enter your ears. Did you hear what I said? I said, hear, O Israel, does not simply mean to let sound waves enter your ear. Here, the word Shema means to allow words to sink in. It, uh, it provides understanding and it generates a response. It means action. One coin, two sides, can't separate them. In Hebrew, the word hear and do are together. Think about this for a second. Creation other than us, right? Creation other than us. I'm talking about trees, water, fish, all of creation, whatever God has created, has no option no choice but to respond to Yahweh. They're born with the nature that is supposed to be their nature. That's it. A lot of you guys know here that I've rescued some squirrels. We're like the squirrel family. Every time a squirrel falls out of the tree, sometimes I'm here, you don't know it, but I'm, you know, feeding a little squirrel in my purse. But a true story, people know, I've gone to school with the, with the squirrel because I'm nursing this thing back to health, right? But then there comes a time when there's like one too many pellets in the box. Everything is starting to smell. It's starting to bite and all of this. And I have to make the choice to let that squirrel out. I have to because its nature does not want to be in the Batista house. Even though it's a good house, trust me, we put um, heating pads on it for hours. We wake up every two hours. One wakes up, we have an alarm. The other one feeds it, and the other one feeds it. It's like a newborn baby. <laughs> Life is good at the Batista house, but that's not what it was meant for. So we can hear Yahweh's voice and simply ignore it if we want. We can do that. They cannot. All of the rest of creation understands its destiny and fulfills it. They don't need an instruction manual. It is no ifs, ands, or buts. They do what they are designed to do. But us, we can't do that. Animals obey their own nature. And nature, without instruction whatsoever, can even take over a place. I don't know if anybody lives on that side on Lake, in Lake County. Remember when they closed that road on 46? And then... A couple months ago, I looked down the road and I could see some brush. I'm like, oh, nature's taking over. Now you look, can you even see the other side? 
You can't see the other side. It's as if that road was never there. It takes over. It doesn't need permission to do it. We can choose whether or not we respond. And we can choose how we respond. But not responding is a better response than not responding like a son. I do this all the time. If you ever catch me without a response, that means Vanessa needs a little bit more time. Doesn't quite mean that I'm 38 hot, but it just means that I need a little more time just to navigate. Hmm, let me see Holy Spirit. Let me see what Holy Spirit's telling me about this situation. Let me see what Holy Spirit's trying to teach me about this situation. What is Holy Spirit trying to do through that person in this situation? All of those things. You have to think about all of the things. Because if I don't, I will make a big mess out of something Yahweh is trying to keep holy. Really quick. It'll get nasty. I'll give you a, a little bit of a tangible example. But when I got pregnant with Oni, we had this, we figured out this name. Yahweh didn't give it to us. Luna. Oh, Luna's so pretty. It's short, long last name, you know, not too long, all these things, right? And, but Chino didn't have peace with the name. Oh, I just don't think it's it. I'm like, dude, like, I thought we, you know, I thought, like, we had this. Like, her name is Luna. I like it. It sounds pretty. And anyways, he struggled with this for a while. So one night, he goes to sleep. And he's telling Yahweh, Yahweh, please give me a name for my baby. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm eight months pregnant, probably in a really comfy spot. And he goes and wakes me up in the middle of the night. Probably one, two o'clock in the morning, that peak, you know, that good peak hour. <laughs> Babe! You know, it takes me a little bit of time. So I'm like, what? I'm thinking it's one of his bad dreams, something like that. No. I know our baby's name. And I'm like, what? Oni. I go, Oni? No way. That's not going to be my baby's name. No way. I turn around. Babe, Yahweh told me Oni. He spelled it O, and he did this with his fingers, O-N-I. And I'm like, we'll talk about it in the morning. I did not want that name for nothing in the world. Nothing. In my limited mind, I thought that, I thought to myself, why would Yahweh give my kid like a weird name? You know, like just like a name that like kids could maybe mess with. I don't know. I thought like, you know, what could they call her? Like Oni Baloney, you know, or I don't know. You know, I thought of all these things. But anyways, that was my limited mind. But then Yahweh kind of started working with me and I'm like, well, you know, but what if Yahweh really did tell him that? You know, that I'm going to be in disobedience because he told me, Yahweh told me that. Not that I doubted you, babe. <laughs> but um, so then I said, you know what? Let me look and see what that name means. Oni. Ogre. <laughs> in Japanese, Oni means ogre. Now I'm like, mm -mm. it ain't happening. It ain't happening. But I had to look for the deeper thing. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Yahweh's not going to tell me to name my kid after an ogre. I mean, whatever. Kids name their kids all kind of things. But um, so I looked again. And when I looked, it said planted on fertile soil. 
But if I hadn't taken another look, I probably would not have done it, even if he told me to do it. I'd be like, can we do it as a middle name? And he specifically said it had to be the first name, that Yahweh told him it was the first name. Um, and come on. I'm like over here asking Yahweh, like, why would you name my kid this thing? But the truth is, is like Yahweh didn't create any of us with anybody else in mind. He made us unique. So why wouldn't he name her something that nobody else has been named before? Right? And so God started working immediately. I finally said, Oni, when I announced the baby's name, you would have thought I named her. I don't, I don't even want to say a name because then I'll mess up. But anyways, I, I, my, you said her name was going to be Luna. Why would you name her Oni? That's such an ugly name. And I said, Yahweh said, Yahweh said, Yahweh said. And my mom, till, till this day, will call her Luna. She barely calls her Oni. But if we look to see what everybody else is thinking and what everybody else's opinion is, we will never have peace with what Yahweh tells us to do. So, oh, I keep doing that, sorry. All right, this was important to Chino specifically, and we talked about this this morning because I wanted to know what his mind frame was at that time. But he had tremendous conviction about asking God for help with simply naming our child because he felt like he never followed through after he asked Yahweh for something. So he never followed through. So he would be like, well, he was in the war. I'm assuming you were like, Yahweh, please save me. And he saved you. And then he never served God after that, immediately after that. So every time he asked God for something, he responded with the thing. But Chino never followed through with a relationship with, with Yahweh. So in his walk, in this moment when we were talking about our baby, this was really really important for him. And I just learned that today, actually. And he asked for Yahweh for something specific, and Yahweh responded. Like he always had, but it was different this time. Amen. It wasn't the same. Amen. Holy Spirit gave me three things about communication. Okay? Just communication in general, nothing crazy. But the first thing was to react is reckless. And I'll give you a tangible um, example of that. Um, it's selfish and it temporarily serves your emotions. Nothing else. That's it. That's why so many people are in jail. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm broke. I want to rob a bank. They go, they rob a bank, they're in jail. Something that they didn't even think through. They just did it. The second thing was to respond is responsible. Okay. But you have a choice and a right to do so if you please. But I will use the example of pleading the fifth. So you can respond, right? Like you're, you're in trouble. You're, you know, whatever. They're interviewing you and you say, I plead the fifth. You're being responsible because you're not wanting to speak out of emotion. And you're, you're trying to protect yourself, right? You're trying to stay out of jail. So you're pleading the fifth. You're like, well, you know, I mean, I say nothing about this, but, you know, let me seek counsel. That's what Chino always tells me, actually. Uh, he says, if you ever find yourself in a situation, you say, officer, while I would, is this quoting right, Chino? This is what you say? Officer, 
while I would love to help you with this investigation, I prefer to seek counsel. That's what Chino says. If you ever find yourself in a situation, that's what you do. So to respond is responsible. And then the third thing that Yahweh was talking to me about communication is to respond like a son. To respond like a son, however, is a choice. It's a right, but it is fruitful. And that's the most important thing. The truth is the truth because it's the truth. There is a complete freedom in responding like a son. Church, I've been a part of this house, I think, for 10 years. And in 10 years, I can't even remember all of the miracles that I've heard come from each one of you. All of the good things. The squeezy places, too. But I've heard miracles come from this very room. And all of those miracles have happened. Why? Because you've responded like a son. You know, it's funny. Because I was in the room interceding over today. And I looked over. And many years ago, I gave this, what is it, hourglass? Hourglass to Kim. And I looked at it. And I started holding it as if it were like a fidget spinner because I was kind of antsy and I was trying to figure out what to do. And um, as I was interceding, Yahweh showed me the three responses or the three types of communication. He showed me this is a reaction. See how much sand is in there? Very little. Very little. It doesn't flow. A reaction doesn't flow. There's no life in that. A response, there's a little bit of flow in there, especially, if we, especially when we, uh, you know, when we respond like logically, do not kill. Look, we do not kill. <laughs> Honor your mother. Yes, come on. Hold on. <laughs> right? You know, a little bit at a time. It never. Let me ask you a question. If this thing don't stand upright, do you think it ever gets full all the way? It will never. It will never fulfill God's complete purpose. Period. But when we stand upright, church, it's only a matter of what? Matter of time. And it, the complete will of God will be fulfilled every time. Um, Chino and I were actually reminded of a story that Steve talks about. I mean, he's talked about it a couple times. Some of you may not remember this, but he talks about the time that he had to go to court to speak on behalf of someone. Does anybody remember what story I'm talking about? So he talks about that thing. And um, he went to speak on behalf of someone that was probably going to do some time, right? I think it was some serious time, actually. Uh, what stands out to me about that story is that Steve went there and told the judge this statement. He said, I know this person more than you do. I believe that he spoke right from Yahweh's mouth. It's like you can say all of these things, but I know a way that defines this per person in its original intent that you have no idea about. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but 
That's what Yahweh does on our behalf. When we do number one and we react and we have to eventually come back and reconcile that, he says, you don't know that person like I do. I know the truth about that person. That lie, it's irrelevant. I want to read Mark 15, 33 through 39. A lot of you may know what that scripture says already. Can you pull it up? Um, And I'm going to read it twice. The first time, I just want you to be familiar with it. It says, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until 3 in the afternoon. And at 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and I'm going to mess this up, Eloi, Eloi, lema shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. I'm going to read this one more time to you, but I want you to close your eyes because I want you to picture what's happening here. All right? At noon, darkness came over the whole entire land and until 3 in the afternoon. And at 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud, loud voice. I imagine it as a screech. Eloi, Eloi, lemma shabachthani, which means my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near hear this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled the sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus as a drink. Now leave him alone and see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion saw how he died, he said, surely this was a man of God. I want to point out one thing. Um, It says he breathed his last. They never put breath there. For the natural mind, it's the what? It's the breath. But what he breathed, was so powerful that the earth had to respond. The earth had to cry out. It had to do something. It couldn't just, it couldn't just stay still. There was a response that the earth had to make. And surely he is the what? Son of, of God, right? The truth of the matter is that Jesus could have chosen to end it. He could have said, Father, I'm done. Maybe his father would have listened. Yet his response, his response confirms the covenant. 
And when he took his last breath, that response could not, it could not change the truth. He was the son of man. Nobody could argue it. What else was that? I want to read um, Psalm 148. But before I do, I want to explain one more thing. In Aramaic, it doesn't actually say, why have you forsaken me? In Aramaic, it says, and I want to get this right. It says, I was made, it was pretty much like I was made for this. I was designed for this. All this time I've been learning, why have you forsaken me? I've even questioned it. I'm like, Jesus, why did Jesus say, forsaken? Why have you abandoned me, Father? He's not saying that. He's saying, Father, here I am. Do your will. I was designed for this. I was made for this. And there's more that I have to do in the heavens. So let's go. That's what he's saying to his father. I want to read Psalm 148. And it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, Yahweh, for at his command they were created. Do we realize that he spoke, let there be light, and the earth responded, the earth that didn't even exist had to respond with the light and the darkness being there. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. We will never be able to discredit that. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, the many that we haven't even discovered, and all the ocean depths. They will respond to the nature that Yahweh put in them. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all the hills fruit trees and all the cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures, flying birds, kings of earth and all nations, young princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and all of the heavens. And he raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all of his fruitful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Do you think that Yahweh intended us to have to make a bad choice about how to respond to him? He wanted us to respond like a son. You know, I started reflecting a lot about just responding as a son. And I thought, man, I failed in that area a lot of times. I think many of us can say that. I failed. But now I'm accountable to that. 
now that I know why. I know why. What does it mean for us to respond as a son? And I'm going to echo back some things, and I won't tell you how to do it because I think that's Holy Spirit's job. It's not my job to tell you how to do it. I can figure out a way to do it for myself, but it all looks different for each one of us. But I will have you consider a few things. The first thing is reaction is obedience to the flesh. In the moment you feel like this, I'm so guilty of this. I even feel sad saying that. But I am so guilty of this. Reaction is the obedience to the flesh. But I don't want to be obedient to the flesh. Two, response is the obedience of law. And we can think about that logically speaking. What do most people do? How do they respond to that? Oh, we should respond the same way. You know? You consider the things that don't matter in the long run when you respond like everybody else. It seems right in the moment. It can almost seem right, period, right? It's just like some of that sand coming out of there, right? We're responding, and it's not bad, but it's not full. And response of a son is the obedience of the spirit. It obeys what the Father says about us, what it says about someone else, and it fulfills the covenant we know and the one we have not yet seen. It separates two things, promise and expectation. If we live in expectation, we will never, never, ever, ever grow to our full potential because we're expecting a thing that's happened already. I don't want the thing that's happened already. I want the promise of Yahweh for me. And I want the promise of Yahweh for my kids. And I want the promise of Yahweh for my church. And I want the promise of Yahweh for our community. Separates what? Promise from expectation. Don't forget that. And responding like a son, lastly, this was something that Yahweh showed me. Responding like a son doesn't always feel fuzzy wuzzy. <laughs> it feels really yucky sometimes. It really does. Um, I think the last probably two months, I probably shed more tears than a long time. I don't really cry that much. For those of you who know me for a long time, I don't really cry. I've become a crybaby lately. I don't know what it is. <laughs> But, um, but I think that my spirit is becoming more in tune with not my expectation of what, my, of what Yahweh's walk and all that is going to look like, but it's yearning a place that I haven't yet experienced. Yeah. Amen. It's yearning for that place that I haven't yet experienced. So when it becomes familiar, I know there's going to be some some crucible happening, yeah. all right? And until we reconcile that, yeah. the cycle goes. Consider this, the most powerful word on the language, in language. Um, Steve always says that, and I believe that. Consider how you are responding. Is it aligned with what Yahweh says about you? Is it aligned with what Yahweh says about whatever you're responding to? 
What does it say about you as a son? It doesn't tell you you're weak. I can admit when I've done wrong, even when I don't know I've done wrong. And um, years ago, I'd be like, man, I don't want to apologize for that thing. Because, you know, it's irrelevant to me right now. It really is irrelevant. And what does it say about those around you? Um, and I will charge you with this last thing, but we're going to do something else. Um, how will you respond? Take the time. How will you respond? Remember, not responding and taking some time to seek Holy Spirit and then come back and respond like a son, that takes work. Mm -hmm.